Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast, and welcome to the April edition of Netflix and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you are brand new to the podcast and are unfamiliar with Netflix and Phil, these are the episodes in which I will recommend different movies or television shows that you'll find on various streaming sites, such as Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, or in this case, Disney+. Plus. And as you see in the title, I'll be talking about Disney Pixar's latest film, Turning Red, which came out last month. And for all of you returning listeners, welcome back. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We are continually blown away by all the feedback. Thank you guys so much. If you've seen Turning Red or you're not necessarily interested in watching it, that's perfectly fine. Make sure to check out the rest of our library. I promise there's something here for everybody. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for all of the entertainment and gaming news that happened in the month of March, make sure to check out this past Monday's episode of What Did I Miss? We got you covered. And yes, if you're wondering, we do talk about the Chris Rock and Will Smith slap. So if you want to hear Eric and I's opinion and all that madness that went on, make sure to check out that episode. But with all that being said, I'm very, very excited to talk about Turning Red. It is a just wonderful film. And let's go ahead and hop right into it. As far as a synopsis in Turning Red, Mei Lee is a confident, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. And as if changes to her interest, relationships, and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited, which for a teenager is practically always, she poofs into a giant red panda. Now I want to address some of the quote-unquote ridiculous controversy that has been tied to Turning Red. The film has angered some parents due to the fact that the movie makes references to periods. The main character, Mei Lin, marks her womanhood by poofing into a giant eight-foot red panda whenever she gets excited, angry, or overly emotional, a metaphor for adolescence and puberty. Here are a couple of examples of what some outraged parents have been saying from a USA Today article written by Sarah M. Maniusko. One Facebook user posted, I would not feel comfortable allowing our oldest daughter, age 7, to watch this movie because she wouldn't understand what is happening to the girl. Definitely not appropriate for a 7-year-old who has truly no concept of puberty or what that even means. Another person shared, We watched all the way to the part where the mom brings in ibuprofen and pads. I'm absolutely mortified. Luckily, my child was clueless. It's safe to say that I've learned my lesson about reading movie reviews before I let my boys watch. I also came across many religious websites, is what I'll say, that reviewed the film and demonized Turning Red for addressing such inappropriate subject matter. Look, I can't tell you, nor I ever tell you how to raise your kids or tell you what and what not to expose them to. But if an animated film that encourages young women to be proud and ask questions about their changing bodies makes you that uncomfortable, that's something you got to figure out on your end. I'm going to be honest. The word period is never even said in the film, just for context. Going back to that article by Sarah, she spoke with Dr. Robin R. Miller, who is the Interim Chief of Adolescent Medicine and Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology at Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. 
She said, quote, I don't think Turning Red is a movie about periods. I think it's a movie about puberty. It does a really good job of showing how this little teenage girl is dealing with all these different emotions and relationship dynamics. Now, obviously, I am not versed or experienced with what's going on in this film. So I had to turn to my sister, Felin, who gave me a few words about why she wishes a movie like this was around when she was a young girl. She said, quote, as a kid, my mom never spoke to me about how my body was going to change. And the things they teach you in school are so outdated, so serious, and it just doesn't feel tailored for children. Turning Red puts a lighthearted spin on a very real-life situation that happens to every girl. So I would have loved to see that I'm not alone out there. Why can movies like Into the Spider-Verse and Little Rascals have comedy about adolescent boys growing up and experiencing their bodies changing, but not women? So if all of that is enough to have you stray away from watching Turning Red on your own or with your kids, then again... That's stuff you got to address on your own time. Let's move into things that make this film so special. For starters, it's directed by Domi Shi, who also directed the 2018 Oscar award-winning short Bao, which if you haven't seen is about a dumpling that comes to life, giving an aging Chinese woman relief from empty nest syndrome. Shi is the first woman in Pixar's 36-year history to solo direct a film, according to a New York Times article written by Brooks Barnes. The screenplay, written with Julia Cho, was inspired by pop culture icons such as Teen Wolf and Lizzie McGuire, and she also took inspiration from four Japanese anime for the film's creation, Fruits Basket, Ranma Half, Sailor Moon, and Inuyasha. And I'll always be honest with you here at the Way Forward Podcast, Turning Red does have humor that is tailored to an older audience, and a lot of that humor is going to go over the head of your 5- to 8-year-old, which is why I had trouble understanding why some of those Facebook users were having such an issue with the film, but whatever. The context of the film is also something Domi Shi recalled thinking about before her pitch meeting with senior Walt Disney Studio executives. She said, quote, How do I sneak this through? How do I sell this and get old white men who've never experienced this before excited about this and wanting to, like, see more of it? I really do appreciate the fact that Pixar, at least on surface level, has allowed Domi to tell the story that she wants to tell. And I will maintain that it is a film that most sensible people will enjoy, but it will really resonate with people who grew up in the late 90s to early 2000s with traditional Asian parents. The film itself is set in 2002. My Asian upbringing was a little bit stifled. And as I mentioned before, I grew up primarily with my adoptive mom, who never exposed me to Filipino culture, and my dad, who is white and from the middle of nowhere, Ohio. But I remember going to other Asian households and being taken aback at the stark differences between how those parents treated their kids. Even the other Asian kids I knew at school were always so stressed out about grades and extracurriculars. Hell, as long as I was making C's, my parents didn't really pay attention to my grades at all, which explains a lot. I should really discuss that with my therapist. Anyway, let's focus on the main character, Mei Lin, who is voiced by Rosalie Chang. At 16 years old, this is her first major role, and she absolutely crushed it. It's on par with Ali'i Cravalho's performance in Moana. One thing I've definitely learned while doing this podcast over the last few years is how difficult voice acting is, and I'm sure it was even more strenuous to do during a pandemic, so kudos to Rosalie. May is the quintessential early 2000s Asian teenager just doing her best to manage her very tight group of friends, but also managing the image of who her parents, especially her mother, think she is. I can tell you that even now I go through a bit of imposter syndrome, and that was even more true when I was a teenager. My parents didn't know who the real Phil was, and it's the same here. May's mother, Ming, who is voiced by Sandra Oh, has crafted this image and lifestyle for her daughter that doesn't allow her to be the person she really wants to be. Sure, May excels academically and helps a lot around the family temple, but at the expense of allowing her to be a teenager that wants to go to concerts with her friends and have some sort of social life. 
That's where the generational gap comes into play. May is unaware of the pressure that was placed on her mother when she was young, and her mother is unable to communicate that struggle in a healthy manner. I find myself in a unique position with turning red because I was roughly 13 or 14 in 2002, and I also have a teenage daughter now that's trying to figure out her role in this world. My hope is that the film will present families with the opportunity to have healthy and open communication. A lot of Turning Red's humor comes from May's friend group consisting of Miriam, Abby, and Priya. Each of them play an important role in May's life, but Abby is my absolute favorite. She's chaotic and rebellious, and not even exaggerating, she steals almost every scene she's in. After watching through the film once, I highly suggest going back and watching it again and just solely focusing on Abby. In fact, we should sign a petition for an Abby spinoff at Disney+. Plus. Please let me know if you'd be interested in participating. It goes without saying, there's a ton of representation in Turning Red, and not in the most obvious forms either. The film's technical supervisor, Susan Fong, is a type 1 diabetic. In accordance with Disney's initiative for real-life representation, there are two characters in the film wearing diabetes technology in the form of a continuous glucose monitor, which allows diabetics to monitor their glucose levels in real time instead of taking random samples at certain times. Even the title, Turning Red, has multiple meanings. The color motif of the film is red, May's hoodie is red, she turns into a red panda, and the curse is shown in red lightning. This makes sense as red is an important color in Chinese culture, symbolizing luck, joy, happiness, and celebration. On top of that, the color red can represent the change of one's body, it can represent love, anger, so many different things. The musical score in the film is manned by Oscar award-winning composer Ludwig Göransson, who fans of Childish Gambino will definitely be familiar with. He won an Oscar for Best Original Score for Black Panther. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell wrote three original songs performed in the film by fictional boy band Fortown. According to Lindsay Collins, the film's producer, You Know What's Up was intended to be a confidence booster. One True Love was intended as the group's love ballad, and Nobody Like You was the song that everyone knows from the group. Collins said that she had decided to approach Eilish and O'Connell at the start of production near the same time that Eilish was coming to fame herself. Collins said that her own child had become a fan of Billy's music, which has inspired this choice. To pitch the idea to the pair, production created a scrapbook based on scenes of May and her fascination with Four Town they had already developed for the film. At times, putting cutouts of Eilish and O'Connell's heads in place of Four Town members to show their appreciation for the pair. Both were already animation fans, and Eilish said that when they saw the concept for the material they got, she immediately got the idea of what they were aiming for, as she had been a fan of boy bands herself and recognized the bond May had with Fortown. A lot of love and care went into making this film, and it truly shows in the final product. I love that Disney has embraced the stories of people of color over the last few years, and also films that don't have a true villain such as this and Encanto. And while Turning Red may not have the grand spectacles that Moana, Coco, and Ryan the Last Dragon have, it still tells an important story nonetheless. As of right now, Turning Red has a 94% certified fresh critic rating and a 73% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. As always, I say take Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt, but even more so now with that audience score, as I mentioned what has been happening at the top of the episode. For me, if we had reviewed this when it originally released, it would have gotten a 9 out of 10. While you may think Turning Red doesn't have anything that would appeal to you or your family, I really couldn't recommend this film enough. It's hilarious, it's beautifully animated, and maybe it will give both parents and kids some perspective on what the other may be going through when you're not around. May's voice actor Rosalie, who remembers only 16, said it way better than I could. This is a coming-of-age film. Everyone goes through this change. I think different people of different cultures are going to go through it differently, but at the end of the day, the core messiness and change is something everyone can relate to. 
Turning Red is currently available to stream on Disney Plus. And again, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it if you haven't seen it already. But that will wrap up this month's episode of Netflix and Phil. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, if you're a first-time listener, don't forget you can find our library anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, just to name a few. If you do find yourself listening on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. As always, shout out to Buzzsprout for hosting the Wait For a Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for a link to our YouTube page for all of our live streams. We'll be having a brand new one coming up very, very soon. And if you're looking for a full list of episodes that are going to be coming out in the month of April, make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and wait for a podcast, and on Twitter, at wait for a pod. I'm going to leave you with a few words from Domi Shi's acceptance speech at the Oscars when she won the Oscar for Bao. My name is Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino. And as a reminder, we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And all you got to do is wait for it. Um, to all of the nerdy girls out there who hide behind their sketchbooks, don't be afraid to tell your stories to the world. Um, <laughs> you're going to freak people out, but you'll probably connect with them too, and that's an amazing feeling to have. Thank you. To- so, I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it. Gaming. Wait for it. Anime. Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast.